Isaiah 41, 10, it says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When you're asking for help from people, it doesn't mean that you're shunning help from the Lord. Poyman Ministries Podcast Network. Strength for today's pastor. Here's your host, Bill Holdridge. Bill is the director of Poyman Ministries, which is a team of former longtime senior pastors who are available to strengthen pastors, to strengthen churches. Welcome to podcast number 52 of Strength for Today's Pastor. And today we are with Pastor Gino Geraci of Calvary Chapel, South Denver, in, of course, the lovely, beautiful state of Colorado. Welcome, Gino. So happy to have you on Strength for Today's Pastor. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, and we're going to talk about some fun things, and you have been the longtime senior pastor of Calvary Chapel, South Denver. You're the founding pastor, 27 years, correct? Correct. As a matter of fact, yeah, um, 28 at October of next year, but yes, 27 years. 27 years, that's a long time. I, I remember that number. That's how long I was in Monterey. Wow. As the founding pastor there. So it's a it's a long time of ministry. And it's been a fruitful ministry for you. And, uh, you know, you've been very busy. In addition to pastoring the church, your ministry has taken you outside of the walls of your church in various ways. It'd be fun to hear a little bit about those kinds of things. But before we do that, yeah, what do you have any news that you'd like to share about what's going to be coming up new for you in the year 2020? Well, um, people may or may not know that we've been in transition and, um, my role as the founding pastor and senior pastor, we're, we're finding ourselves in a new season of service. My son, Jonathan Geraci, is going to be assuming uh, the role of the leading pastor, the senior pastor, if you will. And I am going to uh, embrace a new season of service. And, you know, that season of service is going to incorporate some of the things that I've done in the past and I'm anticipating doing some, hopefully, prayerfully, some God-honoring things um, in the new season of service. Right. And among those things that you have been doing that uh, aren't specifically connected to Calvary Chapel South Denver, you have uh, pretty recently retired from your FBI chaplaincy. Yeah, I I spent many, many years in law enforcement. In a, in a very real way, I'm an emeritus chaplain for a number of different law enforcement agencies in the state of Colorado. But from 2005 to 2018, I had the great, great privilege of serving with the Bureau in the Denver Division and um, a part of the, the Western, um, what's called the Critical Incident Program for the Western part of the United States of America. Such a wonderful time with the Bureau, and it was one of the great honors of my life to be able to serve my country by serving with the FBI. Mm, yeah, thanks for serving. That's that's awesome. That's an amazing opportunity the Lord gave you. Well, in addition to that, you also have your own radio program with the Salem Network of radio stations Correct. all over the country. That's, that's a five-day-a-week program, am, am I right? Yeah, Yes, it's called Crosswalk. It it airs on Mountain Time in the in the uh, Colorado area from four o'clock to six o'clock. It's called Crosswalk, 
with Gino Geraci, and it's heard uh, in in Denver and in uh, Colorado Springs and a couple of other outlets. So then, also you've you've been sharing with me something that I'd get excited about hearing you talk about it, and that's the gotquestions.org involvement. Tell a little bit about that. That's awesome. Well, I had the great privilege of meeting Shay Hoodman, who's the founder and director, along with Melissa, his wife, of gotquestions.org. For the last eight years, I've enjoyed a friendship and relationship with gotquestions and most recently been asked to join their board of directors. Gotquestions is an online Bible answer ministry um, that is being translated in, into over 100 different languages. Um, I, I told you some of the exciting statistics that from January to September, we got between 65 and 80 million individual hits, including, you know, when we're talking about questions about God, about Jesus, about salvation. One of the great questions is, how do I receive Christ as my Savior? How do I give my life to Christ? How do I become a Christian? On those kinds of questions, we're getting 15,000 hits per month. And Shay asked the incredible question, is it possible that a person could receive Christ by reading an article about salvation? And I reminded him that the Bible itself is written down and there, there's, <laughs> there's a, a written invitation for people to understand and know what it means to, to know Jesus and receive him as Savior. Good answer. Of course, he had a question, so you answered it. Got questions. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. So, boy, that's an amazing response. And I know that we get, uh, I see on Facebook a number of times, you know, somebody will ask a question and then there's an answer from got questions. So, this is being, uh -huh. being used by God in, in an apologetics way big time. It really is. And I'm, I'm not shocked I'm I'm absolutely convinced that more people want to know they want brief but biblical answers about the Bible. And what Got Questions does, as you can imagine, Bill, it provides brief but biblical answers. There's a recommended resource when people want to know a little bit more information. And so just so that the listener doesn't think that I'm the person who's doing this, there are over 300 writers for Got Questions right now all over the country who are answering questions. And so there's Got Questions, there's compelling truth for uh, a younger set of eyes, because we also want to give age-appropriate answers to the mm -hmm. body of Christ. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that there were that many writers, but I, I do know that the answers have been very solid. In fact, I've used Got Questions myself sometimes to uh, help answer questions that I have. So it's it's solid. I, I love it. What goes into it is a lot of uh, research and writing and editing. And so obviously, these questions are submitted for review and then um, appropriate adjustments are made. The, the, the challenge, of course, is to create an atmosphere where people can get their, their questions answered. And it just continues to grow. Yeah. Well, today, as we record this, is December 23rd, 2019. By the time this airs, next year it'll be February. And so um, yesterday, December 22nd, you taught on 2 Timothy 4, verses 9 through 22, the last uh, section of, of the book of 2 Timothy. And you and your son were really intentional about planning the preaching schedule 
at least the outline of the passage. And uh, what was that like for you? I mean, you know, the planning that went into it, how long the transition's been going on. Uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how that's been going. Well, you know, I am excited. It's It's been going on for quite some time. About three years ago, my son was a church planter in um, Charleston, South Carolina. The, the actual community was called Mount Pleasant. And my son, Jonathan, went to uh, Marietta, to the Calvary Chapel Bible College Bill, which you're very, very much uh, was aware of and a part of. And he, along with his, what, who was to be his future wife, Carolyn, went to Marietta. And when they came back, they served at our church. And then they went out and they planted a church. I asked my son to consider coming back and helping me with this transition. And he was actually at first very reluctant to do that. But God in his grace and his mercy changed his heart. He came back. Um, we were trying to come up with a plan that would um, create the most amount of health for the church. As you know, Bill, um, transitioning can be very traumatic, both for the pastor and for the church. Amen. And so we tr we tried to come up with a plan where, like the physician say, do no harm. We're trying to figure out a way that we can do the most amount of good, the least amount of harm. And then we came up with a plan of teaching, of team teaching through the book of First Timothy and Second Timothy. Um, the the reason why we picked those two books is because the themes of the book, you know, in First Timothy. Um, Paul talks about church order, about how Christians are to conduct themselves in Christ's church. And then uh, Timothy is, is given some uh, final instructions about holding on to the truth. And so several charges are made. And, and we felt like these two books would help us to remind the church of the, the vision that's been in the past, the, the vision that it is ahead for the future and that we could talk about these great themes of, of what it means to be a church. That's very wise. You're, you've been preparing the congregation for, you know, the, the actual baton switch. Correct. And, and using the word of God, which is, as you put it, the, the greatest tool we have in our tool belt. Yes. Well, so landing on that passage, that makes a lot of sense. And so what was it like for you to, uh, <laughs> to give that message yesterday, what what kind of things were you experiencing? What what was on your heart? What was your your focus? Well, oddly enough, um, the the text itself allowed me the privilege of not thinking about myself and my future, but thinking about Paul in that prison circumstance. Um, it made me think about that th those words, and that not every. Uh, not every sermon we preach is is spoken out loud. Um, really, a sermon, if it's going to be really ca be called a, a sermon, it's a public proclamation, if you will, of the Word of God. And it made me think that every preacher will one day preach a final sermon. And by that, Paul, he may or may not know that the writing that he's writing at that particular moment is going to at least be the last bit of information that we have about his uh, wishes and, and how he wants to communicate to his young protege about how to go forward. 
And so when I was thinking about these great big themes about guarding the treasure, the gospel and suffering hardship and persevering in difficulty and preaching the word, it just made me once again thrilled that I had the great privilege of being able to participate in, in what the ministry might look like in the future at Calvary South Denver. You know, and part of this whole transition process, I know that you've experienced is that you have a vision for the future. You were telling me that you did it at this time uh, of, of your life and at this age in your life because... Well, because I, 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 I didn't want to stay in the pulpit in the sense of that I do, hopefully, prayerfully, I have my wits about me. I have my health. I have my family. The church is healthy. Um, obviously, Bill, no one knows better than you that transition can be healthy or unhealthy. It can be traumatic or less traumatic. There, there, there's never a transition that is that where there's no trauma involved. Right. And so what I, what I wanted to be able to do is wake up on January 1st and say, Lord, I wonder uh, what you might have for me. In other words, this also gave me permission to go to, to ask a question that some pastors are reluctant to ask. Lord, what do you want me to do with this season of my life? How can I best love you and serve you in this season of my life? I would be less than honest with you if, uh, if I didn't say, hey, I'd like to have a private conversation saying, what would I like to do? What's going to provide me with the most amount of security or authority? And so it was a hard question just to even a ask that question mm -hmm. and then give myself permission to let go. And, and by that, I mean, the Lord impressed upon me. It's easy to let go of something that doesn't really belong to you. Mm -hmm. and, and the church never belonged to me. Good words. I was just simply a vessel. You, you remember Paul said, one person plants and another person waters. God gives the increase. And so what, what I was wondering is, much of my life has been spent planting, planting and planting. And I felt a, a keen sense that maybe the Lord was allowing me the privilege of participating in watering. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that I love that January first kind of a, a concept that you had in your mind because you do have lots of options for your future, and and I know it hasn't all shaken out yet, and it's not real clear exactly what's going to happen. I understand that, but you are not without options, and that's that's so important, isn't it, for you going forward? But it's also important for the church going forward to know that their senior pastor is going out on a high note. And he's leaving the church in great hands, and there is a vision and a future and a hope for the senior pastor, the one that we've connected with for all these years. Yes, and one of the things about Paul's final request in Second Timothy chapter four, you know, was the fact that Paul connects with people, friendships and relationships matter to him, and you know, we tell our children laughingly, I, I you know. We grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a generation, Bill, where our parents told us, well, I don't want to be a burden to you. And in a, in a very real sense, I took that, that idea of being a burden and saying, you know what? I plan to be a burden, but I don't want to be a burden to the church. Um, I, I, I want to have a healthy dependence on one another as we go forward in ministry. 
And obviously that dependence takes mental, emotional, physical, and financial forms. But again, to try to be as responsible as we can, not thinking that the church is going to be a provision of income for me for the rest of my life, but that but but how we started ministry, Bill, that mm-hmm. the Lord would be our provision. Mm-hmm. You know, if, remember in the beginning when we were planting churches, people would say, what are you going to do? How are you going to live? Well, I'm going to have to trust the Lord. I might even have to get a job. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, most pastors in the United States are bivocational. Yes. And and so it shouldn't come as a shock and a surprise that because most pastors are bivocational, that... Um, that that seems to be also a historical thing. We think about Paul being a tent maker. Yeah. Um, there, there, there seems to be good reason to believe that that pastors can and should be able to generate income through some particular means that's God honoring means. Yeah, you know, I've I've used that encouraging pastors. You know, when you are developing leaders in your church guys that are going to be elder-slash-pastor-quality leaders. Raise them up to be bivocational. Assume that that's going to be their lot in life. Don't assume that they're going to have to be on staff somewhere to be considered bona fide pastors. And I think that one idea planted in a pastor's mind frees him up to be able to really train leaders, significant leaders in his church. Yes. And uh, again, when we think about the laundry list, the the names of leaders that Paul surrounds himself with, um, those names took on a whole new meaning for me as I was thinking about all of these names that he talks about, Crescens and Demas and Titus and Luke and Tychicus, that these are real people that he surrounded himself, that he has grown in ministry with and who are going to be tasked with ministry responsibilities. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that passage I know has impacted you a lot. The whole, the whole first and second Timothy, both epistles, but also chapter right. four, as we've talked about it. So, you know, you talked about Paul and talked about um, him being all alone in Rome and potentially experiencing bouts of loneliness. Maybe you could unpack that a little bit because that's something that obviously is real to senior pastors. We're we're in a very unique role that some and many can't understand and really wrap their mind around. So how does that relate to us? Well, I think in, in a twofold way. Obviously, there are, there are circumstances whereby we have to be alone. I mean, Paul is in a prison. Um, sometimes illness will isolate us. And I, I was thinking about that, that um, when you think about times of ministry, there's times of joy and sorrow, but pastors, missionaries, church workers experience loneliness, isolation, or even sometimes abandonment. And so in this particular passage, what I saw Paul doing is building bridges instead of walls. He was building bridges instead of walls. And some of the people who are mentioned in there, Demas and and Tychicus and and even um, later, Mark, you know, Mark has a falling out with Paul, as you're very much aware in Acts chapter 15. But the way that I would think about it is that Paul has to be very intentional about making friends and keeping friends. And that, that there's ways that we can combat loneliness. And in order to combat loneliness, we have to 
make friends, keep friends, restore broken relationships. And one of the things that I found really remarkable about this passage is at the end, Paul sings a song. He praises the Lord. He allows the Lord to strengthen him. And I couldn't help but notice that that in the book of Acts, as Luke talks about the beginning of Paul's ministry, it was marked by strength from the Lord. In the middle of his ministry, it's marked by being strengthened by the Lord. And at the end of his ministry, Paul praises the Lord and thanks him for strengthening him. And so I think part of that is that challenge is to say, hey, you know what? I think it's appropriate and human to expect comfort from human beings, but ultimately our strength and our comfort comes from the Lord. I like the word intentional that you used, intentionally finding and developing relationships, friendships that could last. And as you were talking, I was thinking about the means of communication, the mode of communication of Paul. I mean, these were letters that would have to travel by ship or by couriers. And it took a long time for a response, but yet these relationships were tight and they were meaningful. We've got obviously today far superior technology. It's easy for us to pick up a phone or write an email or shoot a text to keep these things going, but we have to be intentional either way, right? Right. Even in that little tiny sentence at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 21, where he says, do your utmost to come before winter. You know, people might say, well, why did he say that? And the right answer, I think in part, has to be because the ports and the shipping lanes are going to close down. There's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of urgency. Please, please. There, there are physical circumstances that might delay your coming. Please, please come as soon as you can. And uh, I, I think that there are times in our life of urgency, of difficulty, of transition, if you will, where there's mental, emotional, and physical setbacks, and nobody wants to be by themselves usually. But some pastors tragically isolate themselves. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to do is give them permission, uh, like I said, to build bridges instead of walls. Another way of putting it is to have windows instead of walls. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not a door, maybe it could just be a window that you can open up and allow someone to uh, have conversation. Bill, but you know as well as anybody how the pastor realizes that the people who can help you the most in ministry can hurt you the most Mm -hmm. because you do love them and you do care for them and you do open up for them, it you run the risk of this tragic thing called abandonment or being forsaken. And Paul talks about that with Demas. He says, you know, Demas has forsaken me. And you can almost hear that his heartbreak as he writes those words to Timothy. I'm all by myself. Only Luke is with me. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you're at the end of the road, it's great to have a doctor who can also pray for you. <laughs> yeah. Two and one. Two and one. Well, this whole relational risk that you're talking about, that's the risk that God took in creating the world and gave right. uh, uh, free choice to human beings to either 
want a relationship with him or not. And if we could attach the word risk to anything that God does, that would be one one place where we could attach it. So we're kind of operating like he is in that sense. Yeah, one of the things I found remarkable about about Second Timothy chapter 4 is that even though Paul in his sorrow, he talks about that final sorrow with Demas and some of his Roman friends who have let him down, even in the midst of his sorrow, he's still reminded of the few faithful men who have stuck with him over the long haul. And that would be the other word of encouragement that I would give to pastors. It's don't focus on the people who have hurt you or betrayed you or injured you in ministry. Um, Paul's pretty open about it. You remember, this is that passage of scripture where he talks about Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. Yeah. And he, and he gives Timothy a warning. But even in the midst of that warning, he also talks about the faithful men um, who have been with him in ministry. He's reminded of the faithful friendships that he has formed over the course of his ministry. Maybe, Bill, the most tragic thing that a pastor could could deal with is to say, is to, is to say, hey, I've come to the end of my ministry and there are no faithful people who've been with me. You know what? That that would be heartbreaking to me. I have the great joy of knowing so many faithful men and women who have served so faithfully over the years, who are even at this moment serving the Lord Jesus Christ with all of their heart. And we're so grateful to God for each and every one of them. Well, even that's an intentional decision you're making. You're, you're, you're deciding to remember the faithful ones instead of focusing on those that maybe weren't. Right. I think that's healthy. So, you know, Paul, in, in the passage that uh, you preached on yesterday, as you and I spoke about this, he, he reached out and he asked for help from certain individuals right. as well. Uh, how did he ask for help and what does that mean for pastors today? Well, I think that the surprising thing is that he did ask for help. You know, obviously, when, when he says to Timothy, uh, bring Mark with you. First, he's asking for help. I need you. Then he says, bring Mark. And then he talks about articles for what, what I call, he, he asks not just for companionship. He asked for articles of comfort. He asked for his cloak. He asked for his books and his parchments. And Bill, you and I both know how important a pastor's library is, especially for older guys like us who, you know, who've grown up and, and books become our friends. They're, they're tools, but they're also words of inspiration. And, and the way that he asks for help is he, he literally does. He writes that letter. He writes it down and he asks for help. And, and what's interesting to me is when we think about Paul in all of his stoic perseverance, he is imprisoned, he's shipwrecked, he's beaten. If ever there was a guy who we would say, he seems to be pretty self-sufficient, it's to look to him and go, if Paul asks for help, it's no crime for me to ask for help. If Paul makes friends and then keeps friends, it makes perfect sense for me to make friends and keep friends. If Paul says, but I'm also going to find my comfort in Jesus, I'm going to let the Lord strengthen me. Hallelujah. But Bill, what I see is all of those elements are present in the text. That is kind of surprising, isn't it? We think of Paul as being very sufficient, 
in in and of himself, but he he said the opposite of himself. He said, not that we are sufficient to consider anything as coming from ourselves. So, but we think of of him and other leaders in certain ways. But he did reach out. That's that's a great example. You know, in Psalm thirty three three, you know, at the end of the of the passage, Paul's singing a song. And um, in Psalm 33, 3, it says, sing to him a new song, play skillfully with a shout of joy. And I, I wrote, I jotted down a, a, some words of prose. I jotted down, there is a kind of sorrow that lingers on and on. The wounded soul must borrow from praise to carry on. Praise the Lord, the coming King. Praise with hearts on fire and praise the Lord with anthems. Bring the song that still inspires. When I'm, when I'm in a dark place or a lonely place or a difficult place, somehow praising the Lord really, you know, not in that superficial corny way, but really from your heart, loving him, singing to him. Um, the darkness is sort of forced out of your heart. Matthew Henry said, don't be afraid of saying too much in the praise of God. All the danger is saying too little. Mm. And I thought, you know what? That is one of the elements that helps in a difficult time, in a dark time, whether it's isolation, loneliness, hurt, disappointment, and, and the normal things that happen in real life. In real life, people get hurt. And again, we need help. Indeed we do. And I've often thought of praise and worship as God's gift to us, because in it, we're talking about his nature and extolling him for his character and ascribing worth to him for who he is. And that's the greatest thing we need in life, is the, is yeah. the understanding of who he is. It's his gift to us. It's not primarily for him as though he needed our praise to make his day good, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's more for us. He gave it to us as a gift. That's a great resource. I love that. So we're going to wrap up in a minute by giving you a couple of minutes to say anything you would like to say to pastors to strengthen them, Gino. But before that, is there a, a way that uh, pastors might be able to reach out for, to you for more information, say on gotquestions.org or anything you're going to be doing in the future or maybe even pulpit supply or anything yeah. like that. I'm obviously, um, you, you can go to gotquestions right now, go to gotquestions.org and type in any question you have. And if we haven't answered the question, by the way, we'll make every effort to do so. Um, we, I have a conference coming up in January with people that you know, Skip Heitzig, Erwin Lutzer, and, and John Miller. We're doing a nuts and bolts preaching conference in uh, in Riverside County. That's uh, in Menifee, just outside of Marietta. Mm -hmm. And um, so we've got that conference in January. If you'd like to reach out to me personally, you can go to my website. Um, we're 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 starting to populate GinoGeraci dot com. But if you want to email me, you can you can email me at ggeraci at mac.com. That's ggeraci at mac.com. And most of my uh, teaching and preaching resources are still at calvarycsd.org. Um, like other pastors, I, I think notably of like David Gusick, for example, um, I've posted most of my outlines and most of my teaching material. It's free, free, free to everyone. 
That's a great resource. That's a great resource. Thanks for doing that. So let's go ahead and and uh, and whenever you're ready, you just go ahead and share what you would like to share to pastors. I would encourage you to take another look at Second Timothy chapter four, the whole book for that matter. But if you're going to ask and answer the question, how do you deal with loneliness or isolation? The very, very first thing that I would just encourage you to do is to know what Paul does. He asks for help. There's no substitute. Paul asks for help, and there's no substitute for you asking for help. Um, also, Paul Paul's help includes companionship and articles of comfort. Paul's honest about the people who's hurt him in ministry, but he's also honest about the people who have been helpful in ministry. And in that passage, remember, he asks uh, Timothy to swing by and pick up uh, Mark because he says he's going to be helpful for me in ministry. And, and guess what? That means somehow, some way, he's repaired the relationship. Maybe there's been relationships in your life that have fallen apart or you've drifted apart. I would just encourage you to to say, hey, you know what? Whatever water's gone under the bridge or whatever difficulties or setbacks that we've had, if ever there was a time to renew our friendship, it's now. I think you're going to be shocked and surprised that if you call somebody and say, you know what? I value your friendship and I value our relationship. And I've sort of set that aside. I just wanted to call you and let you know how important you are to me. Hey, help means making friends and keeping friends. And by the way, that doesn't in any way negate that we ultimately find our strength and our comfort in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd just like to leave you with uh, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Most of you are going to be familiar with the passage. But in that passage, basically, I suspect that Paul might have even had um, that passage in mind when he's when he's writing when he's writing to Timothy in, in Isaiah forty one ten it says Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When you're asking for help from people. It doesn't mean that you're shunning help from the Lord. Oh, that's great. Yeah, what a word from the Lord. Thanks for uh, being with us today, Gino. This has been sweet time and very helpful, very instructive. Appreciate it so much. Hey, thanks for having me. And um, I pray for Poyman and uh, the ministry that you're providing to to the body of Christ. Again, I think of 2 Timothy chapter 4, where he mentions Tychicus. But if, if anyone exemplified the ministry of Paul, and it's Tychicus. He is a guy who's sent out by Paul to strengthen pastors so that they could strengthen churches. Oh, all right. I can dig that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to uh, respond to anything in today's program or just give feedback to us about this podcast, please uh, email us at strongerpastors at gmail.com. That's strongerpastors at gmail.com. We appreciate your comments. We appreciate your questions. And may the Lord bless you, all, all of you pastors, as you continue to serve Jesus. Strength for Today's Pastor is sponsored by 
Poyman Ministries. You can find us at poymanministries.com. That's spelled P-O-I-M-E-N ministries.com. If something in today's program prompts a question or desire to connect with us, or if you have a comment or a topic idea for a future episode, just shoot us an email at strongerpastors at gmail.com. That's strongerpastors at gmail.com. Until we meet again, may you continue to be a strengthened pastor.